0: mic check one two three four let me adjust this ladies and gentlemen we're like five days away from christmas and i don't know how i feel about christmas i I think i've i've said this before like Dude, I'm just not a huge fan of Christmas. I don't know why. The kids, for some reason, they're they're amped up. They're excited. Uh, I I love having the uh, you know them being excited in the house. We're doing the elf thing. Actually, my oldest daughter, she's past the Santa stage, and she has been doing moving the elf on the shelf around every night uh, after the boys go to bed, and so. You know, we're, we're going through all that. Now, we got some presents. They're wrapped under the tree. And the boys went down there. And they're like, oh, my God, look at this. What's You know, they're doing that. They're, they're excited. And this morning and last night, they woke up, or before they went to bed, naughty, sassy, just, like, disrespectful to their mother. Which, for me, as a, a father... Dude, I'm okay. If you want to be a shit to me, dude, I I know how to handle that. I, I, you know, I'll check them. But when you're disrespectful to your mother, that pisses me off, right? Because, you know, my wife does a lot for, for this family, especially the children. And when they disrespect her, that really pisses me off. So this morning, they disrespected their mother. They disrespected me. And, you know, they were talking about Christmas presents and Christmas. And I had to bring a nuclear bomb of truth uh, to their world today. And I had to check them uh, this morning. And I was just like, hey, listen, here's how this works. Uh, And, you know, uh, I I had a short fuse this morning (laughs) for some reason. uh, And I basically said, listen, the reason Christmas happens is because of mom and dad, right? And then you give them the spiel about what Christmas is really all about, family and Jesus and things like that, right? But then you say, the the presents are a bonus. And I will take away every single present that you have if you do not change your attitude. And I, like, I, I was pissed enough to where I will go downstairs. I said, I will go downstairs right now and I will unwrap all of those presents in front of you. I will go and get the receipts, and then I will watch, you will watch me take them back to the store. Like I was, I just had had it. And they're like, no, don't do that, please. And then they, they came, they realized that I wasn't, I wasn't joking and I wasn't effing around. And I don't know what kind of dad that makes me, if that makes me, uh, but I'll tell you this, They started respecting their mother again. They started respecting me again. And uh, uh, it worked. And so before they got on the bus, they were like, please, thank you. Oh, mommy, love you. You know, this and that. And so I think they understood that as much as as much freedom as they think they have, me and their mother are still in one hundred percent control of every decision that is made in their life, and sometimes they like it, sometimes they don't. They don't like it, and uh, I guess that's part of being a parent. Well, anyway, that's that's me venting today to you guys. Uh, I'm, I just, I like the family aspect of Christmas. I just wish it was over. I. I Fast forward to late season hunting that I'm going to be able to go do here in a couple weeks. And I'm really looking forward to that. So uh, today we're going to be talking with A.J. Lewis. Now, certain states offer a lifetime hunting license uh, to their residents at any age. You just have to live there for a certain amount of time. And today's example is Kansas. So while AJ was living in Kansas and he's a preacher by trade. Uh, He was able to buy a Kansas lifetime hunting uh, license and then he moved to Ohio. And so he gets to hunt Kansas every year because while he was a resident, he bought this hunting license. And I guess if we're going to be talking about loopholes, that's a loophole. He has the lifetime resident hunting tag he gets to hunt kansas every year even though he lives in ohio and so that is what we we talk about today we talk about the differences between ohio and kansas we talk about why he likes hunting kansas so much and then we get into three three a three-point discussion about what he did over the course of his hunting career and adjustments that he made to put himself closer to uh, big deer. All right. Mature whitetails in both Ohio and in Kansas. And so it's a really awesome uh, conversation. It's a hunter profile podcast. Uh, we, you know, we talk about his job. We talk about his life. We talk about strategy. It's a really good, well-rounded episode. Now, um, I always, I always say this, but. Um, I just want to take this opportunity to tell you that I appreciate each and every one of you, right. For taking time out of your day to listen to the nine finger Chronicles podcast. Um, you know, the, the love and support that I get from you guys is appreciated, Thank you very much for what it is that you do. You know, I do. This is a passion project of of mine. You ask anybody in the hunting industry, you know, except maybe some of the bigger names, but you ask anybody who does a podcast or does, you know, works in this space, it's a passion project. We're, I'm not going to be rich. I'm not going to get rich doing this, and so I really do appreciate the support uh, when. You know when you guys do this um and if you could uh, i would really appreciate it if you would go check out my new business uh full sneak gear that's fullsneakgear.com uh it is a lifestyle brand it's an apparel company i uh, have made t-shirts uh, and stocking caps and a crew neck sweatshirt as of right now i got two more uh t-shirts coming down the pipe. I got some hats coming down the pipe. What else? Uh, Two more t-shirts on my to-do list and another hoodie probably coming here pretty soon. So I'm really looking forward to sharing all that that with you guys. Do me a big favor. Go check out fullsneakgear.com and uh, I would really appreciate that. So thank you very much. Uh, Now the rest of our commercials here. We're going to go through these pretty quick because Um, and, and I, I have to do these because not only do I believe in these brands, but you know, they, they support the life that I live. And so if you could go, if you ever buy a product from any of the brands that I'm about to mention, just let them know that you heard it. You heard the commercial. You heard me talk about their product truthfully and honestly and unbiased. You know, it, it might be a little biased because obviously we're exchanging, uh, money for advertising space but i really do love each each one of these uh products uh that i that i have here and i use them in my yearly pursuit of of animals and bow hunting so a uh, huge shout out to tethered uh tetherednation.com. uh please go out and support the uh, support them dude saddles are ridiculous the the mobility you get with saddle hunting is ridiculous and you don't Necessarily know it until you try it. Now I'm a, I'm a huge fan of uh, hang on tree stands too, and so there's times when I use a hang on. There's times when I'll go ultra mobile and use a saddle and a platform. But I am always wearing my saddle now. I'm always wearing a saddle. There's no safety harness anymore. It's saddle for me all the way. So go check out Tethered's website. Ch- check out all of the the saddles, the platforms, everything that they have and uh yeah go check out their social as well so wasparchery.com fixed blades mechanicals most of their heads are still manufactured in america Um, the material is grade a the the product the design is grade a you know aside from a really shitty shot that i did it wasn't the broadhead's fault but man you put these broadheads anywhere close to vitals or you get it into the guts let's say or a marginal shot it does an absolute ton of damage and it makes finding these deer easier right you put like so I put the broadhead through both lungs of my whitetail this year that I shot and he died within 40 feet 50 feet. Now. I, a couple of years in the past same broadhead guts dude all they want to do is go lay down and then you just find them right it may take a little bit of work they're not going to bleed as much but uh i've uh, the year before i hit liver and guts in on my white tail it took me a day to find him but i found him and uh they he didn't go far he went a hundred yards and he bedded down and then he died in his bed. And so that's why I like Wasp. Discount code NFC20, and that's gonna get you 20% off. Uh, Vortex Optics, man, another company that is doing it right. You know, they, they are really good at what they do uh, as far as manufacturing optics, but it's the people that work for their company that makes it very special because they are participants in the outdoors whether that's bird watching whether that's hunting you know camping sightseeing whatever they have someone at vortex that is living that lifestyle as well it's not just a company that uh that is exists to make money they have they have a purpose and so i i love i love talking with the guys and working with vortex optics vortexoptics.com go check out their full line of optics next on the list code blue sense Dude, it, I, I don't want to use this word because I, I feel it's used too much. But for me, the Ropadope system by Code Blue Sense has been an absolute game changer for me this year. Putting a trail camera in front of the preorbital gland, every single buck that I have seen on this property, I have in front of the trail camera. Using this ropeadope system, it's coming to investigate, mock scrapes, right? And so I invested a lot of time this year into freshening up mock scrapes and things like that, and it has it it it's amazing. Every single deer has come to investigate this ropeadope, this pre pre orbital uh, gland scent, and uh, the the blue rope that hangs from the tree. And, and I, dude, I, I'm telling you right now, I think it's. I think it's going to be something that I'm going to I know it's going to be something that I'm going to continue to use for years to come to take inventory, maybe not even not even use mineral sites per se anymore uh, for velvet season. Just put a pre-orbital uh, a system somewhere, and they're going to be coming to it. So uh, go check out CodeBlueSense.com. Discount code NFC20 for 20% off. Uh, highly recommend. The Woodman's Pal, uh, another machete uh, slash habitat tool that I've been using a lot this year. Um, a made in America right so if you go to woodmanspal.com you can read up on this product if you're a habitat manager habitat specialist uh, if you own your own property i mean it's it's literally for anybody i keep one in my truck under my back seat and when i when i took my boy out to go set trail cameras this year hack hack them up hack them up hack the branches out of the way hack the grass out of the way i even made mock scrapes with it and it worked perfect Durable, made in America. They've been around since the 40s. And there is a 20% er, or there's a discount code available and it's NFC. I think it's 20% off NFC. Go check out uh, that product. And you can not, uh, you can not only get the discount code for the product, but you can get the discount code for all the products on their website. Uh, Last but not least, Huntworth, baby. Uh, Dude, in my opinion, one of the, you know, there's the elite brands that everybody knows about, but there's also Huntworth and their quality is up there. Their cost is nowhere close to what the elite brands are. So you have nine, you know, 90% of the quality for 50% of the price. And so you, that's a huge benefit. But on top of that, they have an absolutely huge uh, selection of products. It's not overwhelming though. You can you can put together a layering system on Huntworth that will compete against any of the elite brands. I'm certain of it. So go check out Huntworth's uh, website. Take a look, uh, advantage of their early season, mid season, and their heat boost, late season stuff. And I think you guys are gonna be very happy and surprised with the quality of product that these guys have. So um, that's it, fullsneakgear.com. Go check out Full Sneak Gear's website again. Uh, please go to iTunes, leave a five-star review. Let everybody know that the nine finger chronicles is legit. Um, I love getting the Instagram messages from you guys, but if you could please go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, let everybody know that this is a legit podcast full of entertainment and education. And you know, from what I hear, some of you guys think it's one of the best out there and I appreciate that feedback. So Uh, let's get into today's episode with AJ Lewis and, uh, I'll talk to you on the back end. Three, two, one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the nine finger chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson. And today we're going to be talking with Mr. AJ Lewis out of Ohio. AJ man. What's up?
1: Hey, nothing much, man. Excited for this.
0: So good deal. Good deal. So you live in Ohio now. Right? Yes. Does that mean yep. you're does that mean you're a Buckeyes fan?
1: Yeah, so I, I actually um I was born and raised in Ohio, um mm-hmm. up in up in northern Ohio. And so uh yeah, die hard. Die hard buckeyes, so yep.
0: Man, I, I'm trying to think of what team in the Big Ten, the traditional big ten, that I hate the absolute most. And it's, us, right? it's it dude, it's either you like obviously people hate the the greats, right? Like, yeah, uh, there's yeah. no there's no denying Ohio State and their program, uh, uh, great greatness, right? There's yeah. greatness surrounding it. Michigan, greatness surrounding that. Yep. And I think I just hate who's really good <laughs> because yeah. because I mean, the the Hawkeyes, they just let you down every year. And I'm I'm saying this about a a ten and three team, right? <laughs> yeah. Who had five yards of total offense this year.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, man, I'm going to not to not to hope you change your mind about the Buckeyes. But let me tell you something. As you know, we hate that team up north. And mm-hmm. so uh, we were rooting for you guys, at the Big Ten Championship. So. Oh, oh, yeah. I think <laughs>
0: everybody was. Everybody except yeah. Michigan fans. Was, yep. Were. Yep. So yep. Um, what do you do for a living?
1: Yeah. So I am. Uh, I'm actually a pastor. I'm an okay. associate pastor at a church, uh, Grace Community Church at our Tiffin campus. Um, which I live in Clyde, uh, out in the country, a couple mm-hmm. miles south of Clyde. But uh, Tiffin's about a 25-minute drive southwest from here. Yep. And um, yeah, so associate pastor there do everything from, you know, student men. Um, that's kind of my one of my big uh, ministry focuses is you know, sixth to twelfth grade. Um, but also on top of that, you know, I do you know everything from could be teaching Sunday morning if the pastor's out on vacation or, um, you know, I do the, I do a lot of the funerals, weddings, um, run our team of volunteers that, that yeah. make church happen on Sunday morning. So, and we're a fairly large church too. So it's a lot, lot going on, especially this time of year. So. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, the yeah. world needs guys like you guys and gals like you. And, um, I'll say this, here's, here's something that I picked up, uh, throughout my time going to church and I have, uh, I would say some friends who are in in the, in what you do, whether that's, you okay. know, they, they, they lead a youth ministry or they're actual full-blown pastors at churches and things like that. But one thing pastors are really, really good at is not necessarily, like for me, if my kid does something wrong, I'll say, that's stupid. Why did you do yeah. that, right? One thing about pastors is, they tell you you're stupid, but in the nicest possible way. And you walk away oh, feeling man. motivated to change the mistake yeah. that you just made. It, like, I love it.
1: There you go, man. That's, that's it. <laughs> so, but I, I don't think there's anything wrong with telling your kids oh, once in a while they're stupid and no. they need to straighten up. <laughs> exactly.
0: Exactly. Dude, adults need that too. Yes. Adults yes, need. Yeah. So Good if step. you're, if you feel like you're making bad decisions, go see a pastor. They'll walk you through it. Let's. See. Hey, I have a question. Has there ever, with with you being a serious uh, deer hunter, has there ever been a time where another serious deer hunter has come up to you and has said, "Hey, preach, man, I could really use a big buck." Is there any chance you could maybe send the good Lord a message and have him send me a one eighty?
1: Oh man, I you know. <laughs> I've not had that yet, but I'm sure it's going to happen soon or something. So yeah, not yet. But, not yet.
0: Okay. Yeah. Good deal. All right. We got to talk a little bit about um you you have a lifetime hunting license in Kansas. All yep. right? And you live in Ohio. And I'm looking yep. at you right now. You look relatively relatively young. Yep. And so I thought that these lifetime tags in some of these States were for people like 50 or older. Okay. No, no, Nope. No. All right. So walk us through what you had to do to get a lifetime hunting yeah. license in, in Nebraska or Kansas.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for starters, I lived in, so I went to college down in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, got my degree to be a pastor, mm-hmm. my bachelor's. Um, I met my wife at that college as well. You know, we dated for a while and then obviously, for, you know, got married and actually her, she's from Kansas. So she's from Salina, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, we, long story short, got an opportunity to go work uh, right after I graduated college mm-hmm. at, um, at her home church, essentially, that, um, that she was part of and stuff. And so that was where my first ministry job was right out of college. Went out there, spent six and a half years there and um you know i i'm gonna be honest with you man i i fell in love with uh i fell in love with kansas Mm -hmm. like overnight dude like um people out there are great um the i I think a lot of people rip on how kansas has nothing but you know pasture fields and stuff or or whatever um but it's it's beautiful to me i loved it loved sitting in the deer stand loved hunting and, and my job um that's a big uh a big, uh, how do you say it?
0: Uh, I, I know day. what you're going to say. Yeah. Because of what you do for a living, it's probably easier for you to find permission on hunting properties.
1: Oh, okay. Well, that's not where I was getting it. <laughs> okay. But, okay. But that is true. <laughs> it has its benefits. Um, no, what I, what I was getting at was just with my job, you know, doing funerals, counseling, different things like that. You hear yeah. a lot of stuff. And so I, I love getting the deer sand. I think the most peaceful place for me is, uh, sitting in Deer Sand in Kansas, man, oh, yeah. I just I, I love it out there. It's Beautiful. Yeah. Well, um,
0: one of my favorite but, quotes from Jim Shockey oh, yeah. is, is when he was like, I, I was watching one of his shows. He walks out into nature, and it's just the, the most beautiful scene you can imagine, right out in nature. And he yeah. goes, "This is my cathedral." Yeah. Right. And, and I'm like, you know what, that's pretty, that's pretty slick yeah. because every time I am sitting in a tree stand and I'm out in nature, I just feel a certain type of way. And it, yeah. it that's where like yeah. true happiness is yeah. for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, you know, a big part of what, you know, again, we do as pastors, you know, we do a lot of ministry stuff on mm-hmm. Sundays, but we also need to have our time that we have that reset. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think my reset happens best when I, you know, get to go back to Kansas for a week and a half every year around Thanksgiving time and, you know, get a deer hunt. So, yeah. but anyway, say all that to be said, when I was living there, I was like, you know, one day, you know, I, I could move somewhere and uh, take another position of the church or whatever. Um, you know, something may happen. So I want to always be able to come back here and not, I don't even know what the deer tag is. I think it's like, it's like six or $700 now for the deer tag. And then it's a draw for non-resident. Yep. Um, And so, you know, I, uh, I was like, you know, I want to go ahead and lock this down. Um, because I found out I I assumed that it was only if you lived in the state. Um, so I called the you know game and fish out there, and um, you know, no, they're like, hey, as, as long as you buy this, um, you know, you have to live there for I, I can't remember, I want to say, don't quote me on this, I want to say it's like two years mm-hmm. before they will essentially approve you to get this. So i yeah. you know. Waited a few years, then mm-hmm. bought it. And, um, yeah, so I, I'm not a smart guy. I don't claim to be. But probably one of the smartest things I ever did was doing that. And yeah. so yeah. Um, go back now and get my over-the-counter tag for, you know, 50 bucks or whatever it is. Every year. And you don't have to draw. It's every
0: single year. Wow. So, Dude, yeah. what a, what an amazing loophole. I mean. Oh, man. That, yeah. Because yeah. um, yeah. I, I know for a while there back in the heyday and, and the the uh, department of natural resources really started to to cut down on on it but there would be people renting po boxes in oh. I, in iowa and having mail sent there and then having Exclaiming that yep and and yeah. saying hey uh, this is i got bills sent yeah. there but then people had to oh. change it and have a, a physical address and you had to live there for 30 days before you could even get your license Okay. And you had to show that. So, but there were people trying to take advantage of that. How much did it cost you at that time for a lifetime tag? Man,
1: I, it's been so long ago. Um, I remember saying, I don't know exactly the price. Um, but I remember saying, if I get this one time, it'll be about the same price as getting a non, non non-resident, uh, whitetail deer tag. Um, so, I want to say it was like six to 700. Again, it may have been a little more than that. Now I'm talking about it. Let's just say 700, 750, somewhere around there. So, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm looking but, this up right here.
1: Yeah. And so, it's changed. It's went up too. So, yeah. What is it now, I guess? Yeah.
0: It's... Let's see here. Kansas Department of Wildlife, multi year uh, lifetime hunting license. Residents only Okay Kids Kansas kids Lifetime hunting And fishing license So kids can get this too um, uh, The lifetime Hunting and fishing Combination license For residents only Is $962.50 Okay, okay. And and so yeah. That's pretty good man Guaranteeing yeah. A, yeah. A, a $50 tag Every year Dude I'd do that yeah. If I could
1: Yeah yeah, I, you know, and I. It's funny because I talk about I got you know my buddies back here that I'll hunt, and they're like, dude, that's that was smart. <laughs> now, so, if if
0: you are only doing just hunting, it's yeah. only it's five hundred and two dollars and fifty cents. Okay. But the combo is nine nine sixty two. Wow, that's yeah. that's ridiculous. But you so, know, you have to be a resident and you have to live there for so many years.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so
0: I think you can yeah. buy a lifetime license in Iowa, but you can't buy it until you're in your fifties. I think I'm pretty sure.
1: Really? Yep. Okay. So in Ohio, um, you can, cause I've looked at doing it for my kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, both of my kids love to hunt. And, um, so, you know, I, it's one of those things I'm going to probably do for my kids eventually. Cause yeah. you know, I mean, who knows where life will take them and where they'll be at. And
0: yeah.
1: you know, I want them to always have a place they can come back home and go when it doesn't break the bank. So,
0: yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, you live down in Kansas. What did you learn about Kansas and maybe talk about the differences between Kansas and Ohio?
1: Mm, as far as hunting goes, as far or, as let's just,
0: probably, let's, yeah. let's stick to white-tailed deer.
1: Yep. Yep. Okay. So, you know, I'm up in Northern Ohio. Um, you know, I'm gosh, I'm 20 minutes South of Lake Erie. I can get to Cleveland in a little over an hour, get to Toledo in about an hour, um so we're at it's it is there's a lot of similarities between kansas where we live and here but you know one of the big things is up here i mean the there are a lot more hunters i'll start with that all right ohio is lots of hunters um but uh you know so we can get into that if you want to but also i mean there are there's definitely more timber up here Mm -hmm. there's you know in kansas it's You know, it's literally just creek bottoms. You know, there's some, they call them shelter bells out there. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, mainly just creek bottoms are wooded and it's open. Um, You know, big ag country. But I would also say the same about here as far as the ag country. Lots of, I mean, where we're at, it's all cornfields. You know, big farm country. But there is definitely, you know, there's definitely a lot more woods up here. Um, But, you know, you'll have, you know, your creek bottoms. But then you also have, you know, a 10 acre wood lot here, a 15 acre wood lot here, you know, Mm -hmm. um, or in Kansas, you just don't have that. I mean, it's wooded Creek bottoms and that's pretty much about it where we were at at least.
0: So yeah. talk to me a little bit about what, like the bed to food pattern in Kansas versus Ohio. And are there any similarities that a guy so maybe maybe a guy that's listening to this in Ohio goes, man, I want to I want to try a western state like Kansas or yeah. or uh, you know a western prairie state, uh, Kansas, Nebraska, South Dakota, yeah. that they yeah. could take some principles from Ohio that they've learned yeah. to this new environment.
1: Yeah, I, I would say that's yeah, it's a good question because that kind of has been something. I, I sh- I'll be honest with you, when I lived there, I've been more successful not living there, you know. I was there for six and a half years mm-hmm. um it was a, a if you want to call it you know learning curve mm-hmm. um so there it's interesting like here in, in ohio i mean we think of northern ohio there's you know there's marshes There's different things like that a lot thick there's a really thick bedding around the area that you you know it's kind of like a no-brainer man deer definitely bed in there yep. now regardless if there's a stud in there or not that's a different story but um in kansas it's there are areas like that, but, um, it seems to me at least where I hunt, um, they have the, the bedding areas just don't look like they do in Northern Ohio. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my thing that kind of surprised me was I'd stumble across some of these beddings and I'd be like, man, it doesn't seem like a bedding. Now, some of them obviously, you know, were obvious marsh grasses and different things like that, but it seemed to me like there, it's not as obvious. Yeah. Um, and so that was a learning curve to try to figure that out. Um, and, and, you know, I try to mainly, you know, when I'm hunting, I, again, I'm there in the rut a lot of times. So I'm trying to hunt in between, you know, funnel pinch points and stuff, um, in between the bedding of food a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's similar, um, you know, you're, you know, you still got big ag stuff and you got, you know, out there, they don't have the corn like we have here, mm-hmm. but they have, you know, beans, uh, they do Milo a lot out there and deer feed on obviously both of those, um. You know, they have obviously a ton of wheat, but, um, you know, I, I'm, you know, I really like hunting none, you know, beans, milo. And then if you're lucky, there may be some corn there. So,
0: yeah. 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 So when you go to Kansas, you uh, what time of year do you usually go?
1: Yep. So um, my ideal dates that I go to Kansas are, um, if, if I had to pick the perfect dates, it'd probably be the like 15th to the 25th of November. Okay. Um, so I try to get there around then it worked out this year um, that we could do that. So with how it works, my wife's family back there, uh, we always go back that way for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And so this year I can't remember what Thanksgiving fell on
0: 23rd or 4th. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 23rd
1: or 4th. And so, how I do it is I essentially that entire week, I burn a week of vacation or, you know, a few days off for that week mm-hmm. and then try to leave. Like my goal is to be leaving Wednesday night, you know, Thursday night, the week before Thanksgiving. Does that make sense?
0: Yep. Yep.
1: So it's kind of and it's one of those deals that um, just to maximize my days off mm-hmm. and also my my wife, she's a librarian at our, our elementary school in town here with the kids in school and stuff. Um, you know, we try to always go during that time frame. So, so usually it's sometime around that, you know, 13, you know, 14th, 15th. I'm leaving, headed out there, and then we're coming back the, you know, the, the Friday or Saturday uh, following Thanksgiving.
0: Gotcha. So, okay. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah my uncle lives in, in Kansas and he says that the 15th. To Thanksgiving is his favorite time to hunt out there. Compared yeah. to Iowa, when he lived in Iowa, he his favorite time to hunt was a week earlier. Right.
1: Yeah, and I would say that's funny because uh, some guys are like, "Man, that's kind of," I mean, I'm not, you know, there's other mm-hmm. other people I've listened to, even on you know, big time bow hunters that are like, "Oh, you're missing the rut if you're going that late." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just in where we're at. But in Ohio, you know, I'd say that your uncle's right on, man, because where mm-hmm. we're at. Um, you know, the first week, week and a half or two of November, it's money. You know, yeah. but yeah. kind of slows down after that.
0: Little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what I'll say, what I'll say is like peak movement. Like the the term the rut gets real gray yeah. because people okay. think the rut is different, right? But yeah. if you want to go and see a ton of movement, the first week in November in in Iowa, second or third week in November in Kansas. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um. And so. When you go back to Kansas, are, are these spots that you've had this whole time from when you lived down there private? Because I know there's not a ton of public in in Kansas.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yes, I do. I mean, I do hunt public, and pa- in fact, the past two bucks that I've killed in Kansas, um, maybe the pa- actually, I'm sorry, the past three bucks I've killed in Kansas have been on public. Um, this, you know, the one that I killed this year, he was on private. But um, yeah, these are places that when I lived there um yeah public you know i it's got it out hunted and um also same thing with private um, yeah. which i you know I, I mean like all of us we've you know i've lost some of those to you know farmers you know one of the guys he got older and started leasing his stuff out um but um yeah i've been able to maintain a few of those private property places yeah. a couple of them and um yeah
0: yeah awesome okay um So walk us through a little bit your season and how you you dedicate time, because it sounds to me like now that you have this license, you're going to Kansas no matter what every year and you're hunting Ohio no matter what every year. Um, Talk to us a little bit about how you approach this time frame to what, what I will say is benefit or hit each state at the right time every year. Okay.
1: Um, so I'll start with this. Every year we do go to Kansas in the summertime to see my wife's family as well. Okay. Uh, which works out good because she's around July the 4th, and I'll take a few cameras with me. Bingo. And, um, you know, put them up, not on public, um, but right. on private, out loud public uh, or game cameras on public. On public. That's yep. – can't do it anymore. So. Yep. Um, so I'll throw a couple of those up there and kind of, you know, I got – the tactic cam. So they send right to my phone and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's nice. Um, now when it comes to Ohio, so I have, um, you know, I got two kids that, uh, both enjoy to hunt. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do get a deer hunt Ohio some, um, you know, but I mean, my, you know, bigger priority is my kids right. and uh, I love that they love to hunt. Um, in fact, this year was able to take my daughter out. I, I think it was like our, 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 might have been her second or third time and she was able to kill her first deer with the cross she killed it with a crossbow mm-hmm. um you know and so she's only eight years old pretty cool thing um so when it comes to hunting here i mean i uh, you know i run trail cameras um i you know do i do we are allowed to use bait here for now and yep. so i do use bait um and
0: uh in, you know, in both states morph-
1: Actually, yes, in, in both states. Okay. Um, though Kansas, there's been a lot of talk about they're going to outlaw baiting in Kansas. Yep. Um, you know, but and I don't I don't want to say I per se like hunt over bait. Uh, it is in the proximity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of I mean the deer I killed this year and the past four bucks I've killed have not been over bait. Yep. Um, but uh, on private, you know, I use it more as a especially like in late summer, early in the year, in inventory. and inventory, and I run it throughout the year. I mean, I'm planning on today. Hmm. Um, you know, refilling corn, corn and, and rechecking, you know, or or redoing all the uh, batteries and cameras and stuff. So, Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, yeah. So when it comes to hunting Ohio, um, it's mainly about, it's mainly about my kids. So my son still wants to get his deer for the year. And, um, so we'll focus on that now, you know, I mainly my main hunting time again, though, it it happens in Kansas. I'm not, sure if that answered your question or not but um, no i get it you
0: know that's yeah
1: you know it's it's just one of those things it's uh i've had i've had some man i had some this year i had three or four shooters um on three or four different you know places each place had about one or two it seemed like mm-hmm. um but uh had had some nice ones um and i hunted them a few times but um you know it's hard you know again got kids they want to go man i uh, my son's 12, my daughter's eight. And mm-hmm. so, you know, they're, especially my son, he's right at that age that, you know, he loves it. He's, you know, he's killed a couple deer and killed a decent buck a few years ago here. And so, um, you know, it's more about them back here in Ohio and, yeah. um, they're out there though.
0: So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it sounds yeah. like family time, Ohio, daddy time, Kansas. Yeah. All right. Pretty much. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And so, um, kind of going back to it, i just this just popped into my head but going back to a comment i made earlier about a preachers getting permission on any ground they want uh i had oh boy. A, i had a sheriff on before and he okay. and he goes he would pull up to people's driveways fully in his in his uniform in a squad yeah. car and people are yeah. just like oh my god what's this guy you know there's <laughs> troubles gonna be around here And he said that when he was in uniform and he pulled in with his squad car, automatic. It was automatic. Everybody wants a sheriff. Wow. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's it's like (laughs) a a built-in security camera at at that time. Yeah. I mean, God, I, I, even if I was managing lots of, lots of acres and I had the perfect property and I was growing big deer. If a, if a preacher came up to me and said, Hey, do you mind if I hunt your property? And I like, I think I, I don't know if I could say no, because I would be like, dude, You're if right? I'm yeah. telling him no, am I also telling God no? <laughs> so,
1: yeah, so it's, well, I'll start with it. I've never, um, most of my connections to hunt where I do, I'll be completely honest with you, it's through our church yep. and people in the church. So, um, that's, that's, I mean, uh, okay. I guess they view it as, yeah you know, we're, We're taking care of a preacher, right? Exactly, exactly.
0: Now, here's the question I have for you. Have you ever worked Ask like, from efficiency standpoint, if you ask the congregation in the sermon (laughs) every year, that way you can hit everybody at one time? Have you ever done that?
1: I've I've never done that before. (laughs) Um, I feel like I might get in trouble if I do that by my boss, but... That's a <laughs> unique strategy. So yeah, I mean, typically how it goes is I'll find out a farmer's church, and I don't, you know, I don't like to step on anybody's toes. Right. And so I, right. I think one thing I, how I typically do it is, hey, I'll ask so and so, you know, hey, I, I saw you got, you know, a eighty acre chunk of property, at the creek bottom going through, or whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, would you mind if I bow hunted it? Yeah. Well, you know, that's how it typically goes. That's how it's gone for these. I've got like four or five places here i can hunt yeah and typically they're like well you know i do have so and so you know my son or so you know a mm-hmm. cousin or something that well they gun hunt um but if you're you know you're okay with you know if you are just want to bow hunt yeah go for it and so that's kind of how it's been and um you know again i think all the places I have permission to with the exception of one has pretty much come through yeah. um connections at our church which is i mean Super nice to people. Like I don't, oh, yeah. you know, expect that. So I, I mean, that's huge. And so, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I'll say this, man. Back in the day, here was my progression, right? I would, I would go up to a farmer, and early in the spring, I would, I would say, you know, winter time, right around February, March, or early, early March, I would be like, I'd go to a farm, and I, I I'd call it the, the small crack approach where okay. all you need is just an in right just get a little you just, just get, get in, yeah. just get in and you say hey i'm curious do you have anybody because back in the day shed hunting was not as popular as it is now okay. and yeah. so i would i would say hey uh do you mind if i go shed hunting looking for antlers and maybe have my one of my kids with me or maybe have my yep. wife with me or maybe tell them hey I, i'd like to you know i'd like to just shed hunt And they'd be like, well, yeah, you know, if you feel like you can go out there and find their antlers, be my guest. Okay. Go for it, yeah. Somewhere around end of March, or if I find anything, I take it back to them and go, hey, I just want to let you know I found this. Or, you know, maybe not the big ones, but the small ones. Hey, you know, yeah, I I found success. I noticed that you had some turkey tracks out there. Do you have many turkeys around? Oh, no, I don't. Do you have anybody hunting yeah. your property for for turkey season? Yeah. You know, I, I don't think I do. Okay, yeah, you can come out and hunt. It if, way, if yeah. that's if if they let me turkey hunt, I'm almost guaranteed, like, almost yeah. guaranteed to bow yeah. hunt, to bow hunt. Yeah, and then you know maybe later, you know, if I go out there in the spring and I talk with them, and I and then I get the, you know, I see them whether I get a turkey, maybe bring it to the house or I wait, I just wait a little bit to not sound like I'm pressuring them too much. And then I'd go back in yeah. maybe July and I'd be yeah. like, Hey, haven't talked with you in a while. How you been BS yeah. for a little bit. Hey, yeah. do you have anybody bow hunting? And by now they know you, they know you're somewhat mm-hmm. of a good person. You've listened yep, Got a reputation. Exactly. Yep. And then, then it would just back then it would be automatic. I'm in, yep. I'm in these yep. days dude i can't do that anymore i can't get permission on hardly anything in iowa anymore
1: it is funny you said that i i did get permission to a place actually this guy is um i just got this year to a place about it's a pretty it's about 45 minutes south of me Mm -hmm. and um i had no connection to our church but um i went up there first because my you know i wanted to take my son out to get his first tom this year he's killed a jake a few years ago but want to get in town this year which he did on a actually another piece of property after i asked this guy but i saw some turkeys out in this field and that's what it started he said well i said you know would you mind if um you know i I value hunting and you know provides you know food for the family different things but would you mind if you know my son and i we came out here and and um oh that's okay if you turkey hunt but you know a deer hunting you know in the fall you come back and ask me about that later well so Mm -hmm. I stayed in contact with him, you know, and, uh, it was agreed. Hey, just bow hunt again. And, um, I actually have the biggest, probably the biggest deer out of all the places is down there on his property, but he busted off half his rack mm-hmm. probably about two weeks ago. So, oh boy. um, yeah, so I don't know what I'm gonna do there, but, um, anyway, so yeah, I mean, it started with the kind of the Turkey thing first for my kid. I wasn't really, you know, hunting for me for turkeys this year, mainly about him. And, you know, that's another good way to get in. And, um, and again, it, When I'm hunting here, a lot of times it's my kids are with me.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, You you talked to me a little bit before we started recording about some adjustments that you have made over the course of your life as a deer hunter. That maybe you were stuck in a rut. You made this change and then you slowly started seeing more success. Talk to us about what some of these adjustments were.
1: Yeah. And you, Dan, you feel free to jump in wherever you want to kind of dig in more. I'll just name off a couple of them here. So, yep. you know, one of them, and, and again, a lot of these I've, I've got from guys like you specifically from your, your podcast here, but, um, you know, one of them would be, you know, we've all grown up with the, i say the adage of the term in the hunting world. I mean, I literally heard it like a week ago from someone else talking to about hunting, but, um, you know, you can't kill them from the couch. Yep. And you know, I kind of I used to be a big believer in that, so actually, one of the things that I learned when I lived in Kansas, I was there for you know six years, and I think in the time I was there I only killed like a couple bucks um you know ma- more mature deer um but I was under the impression that hey man if you if you got the time, you need to go um I don't think that's the best strategy mm-hmm. uh. And I'm going to, I'm going to throw it out there and say this, and maybe you've learned or maybe you've used this before Dan, your podcast. So if you guys have heard it before, just in one, year out the other, but less is more. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my strategy has changed in the fact that I'm, when I go into that stand, my, my odds of killing that deer, in my opinion, at least are high. Mm-hmm now that that boils down to a few different things number one obviously the wind i am a i'm big on wind and i have i run an ozonics unit um you know as a backup uh you know i I have that with me um but wind is big you know weather um and then data what does my data show me Mm -hmm. and so um you know if there's a cold if it's november 18th and i'm you know out in kansas and uh you know there's a 20 degree cold front or whatever coming in the next day or two and the wind's gonna be right you know i've got a spot a place in my mind you know one of these private places that i know that i i i gotta be in that stand you see what i'm saying Mm -hmm. i don't want to burn it out though in october early november i'm gonna let that one sit um and uh yeah, so I mean that's that's one of the big things. Just because you can hunt every day doesn't mean you should hunt every day. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, less is more in that sense. Uh, right conditions, all that stuff. Right intel. I want to go in there and really think. Hey, I, maybe I won't. I want to. I hope I get a kill to deer night, but I'm gonna get eyes on him or yeah. you know he's. I, I'm putting myself in that maximum opportunity spot. So. Yeah. Um.
0: When you. Was, was it a light switch moment for you? Because for me, real, dude, I was hunting all the time when, uh, before I had kids. And it was literally my kids somewhere around, you know, when I had my first kid in 2012 where I, I hunted less, but I started seeing more deer when I was going in. in. So did that, is that how it happened for you or did it happen yep. another way?
1: No, that's, that's funny you said that. That's, that was, that's, essentially that's how it happened with me. I mean, I coach, you know, I'm one of the coaches of my son's baseball, football team, um, you know, we're, we're busy with stuff going on there and at at my job at church and and different things. And so for me, it was like, yeah, the, the kids came along and yeah, I mean, I, I didn't have the opportunity to hunt as many days. And I had heard guys talking about, you know, uh, you know putting yourself in that stand only you know some guys are like hey i only hunt a stand it's my best stand i only hunt i probably only hunt it three times a year Mm -hmm. you know but for the past 10 years they've went like 70 percent you know or whatever like killing their best year out of that and so um yeah so when i same thing start having kids and i couldn't hunt nearly as much but actually uh you know for all the young guys out there that are not dad yet hey maybe you know take uh you know take this out of our playbook but um, maybe it's the less is more you know is something to consider yeah um, you know before you you get kids learn it when you're 18 19 20 years yeah. old so
0: yeah yeah I, I will say I will say I agree with you a hundred percent but I also feel that there's the caveat to this okay. and that is access routes mm. I, I yeah. feel that and this is mm-hmm. my opinion I'd like to hear what you have to say yeah but I feel that if you have the right access route and you don't overhunt on bad winds, you can hunt a okay. tree stand a ton of times if your access route is, is yeah. on point.
1: Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, I, I do, I agree with that. Um, that's yeah, I, I'm with you there. Yeah. Um, nothing to with about that. I think that, uh, which, you know, that kind of gets it to another thing that I want to hit on is, is access routes. um, You know, I, I, that can be a difficult thing for, in Kansas, again, mentioned Mm -hmm. this, you know, before we start recording, Um, but yeah, making sure access routes, obviously, uh, yeah, that's that got to be covered, Um, which, would you want to go ahead and go down the access routes? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so, so one thing, uh, man, one thing I found out too, with, you know, okay, you know, Again, be careful how many times you hunt a stand, but also with the access routes and being successful for that is understanding even like we can't see the deer when they're, I I feel like this, at least in Kansas, maybe not in Ohio. um, We can't maybe see the deer while they're in the bed, right, while they're bedding. Mm -hmm. And so got to be careful on how we're walking across the field. And and I say that because... um, when I, I shot my deer this year, uh, it had actually, it, where it run to was into some bedding mm-hmm. that I was hunting fairly close to. Um, and the next day, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going back there, I'm, I'm looking for the deer, and I I bumped four or five deer that were, I mean, they were all over, they were all over like 130 inches, and mm-hmm. there was one in there that was probably 180 inch deer that I've never seen before again and you know this is late you know it's 10 o'clock or so when this happens late in the morning 10 30 and i look and i you know this deer if i walk across the middle of the field and the route that i by the way i walked for years by the way going to my stand that was probably 100 yards from them they would have seen me the they would have seen me walk the middle of the field for five ten minutes however long it took me to get to my stand yeah um so, yeah.
0: Dude, I think every single time, like, I want everybody to do a little, a little drill right now. Like, if you're driving, don't do this. But, you know, whenever you get home, I want you to think about a tree stand location. I want you to think about how you walk into it. And then take yourself out of the hunter role and put yourself in the deer role. And you're, and if you think that a deer's betting in here, can they see you? Can they smell you? Can they, you know, are they going to be able to bust your, you know, like you walking in? And so, like, it. I think a lot of it for me was just visual visualization, and then realizing just because a lot of times people people are so anxious to get into the stand that they just black they they just aren't thinking about these things, and. Yeah. It takes positive reinforcement, which is doing it right one time and seeing deer move through a a property a little bit different, right? Yeah. And so, you know, that's why I've I've used an e-bike on on one of these farms. I can remember, oh oh man, what was it? It was in 2000 and it would have been before I lost a a big property back in my hometown near my hometown i would i'm gonna say 2009 or 10 or something like that and i learned on this farm i learned a lot about access because it was a pine thick it was a cattle pasture and in the pine thickets and we're all in the low spot and the deer would bed in these little fingers and then they'd come out and go to ag and i remember watch watching some dust fly from a combine that was across the road in and watched this leaf off of a corn plant spin around with this wind and blow right down into the uh, to the finger. And I said, I- I've been watching this. You know, I've been thinking that this is the right wind every time. Wow, and what man. I'm doing is I'm walking in this cattle pasture. I'm not skylining myself. I'm walking on the back <laughs> end. But the wind is still going down into this finger. Yeah. And it is okay. blowing everything out. Man, Switched it wow. up. Jay hooked in from the other side. Saw okay. saw deer every sit since then. Man.
1: Wow. Just that, right? Just that one thing.
0: Simple. Just being able oh, to, yeah. to identify that leads to more deer you know yeah. seeing more deer yeah 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 it's good was that was that adjustment hard at first for you
1: yeah because typically the access route is an easiest route in right nope. <laughs> so yeah. um yeah and i know um i mean I, and i'm still gonna stick by this it's that's easier to do in ohio than it is kansas because mm-hmm. there's more cover yep um it's really difficult to do in kansas uh, but this year Um, specific on this private property place where I killed the biggest deer of my life, I was intentional about it. And, you know, I really tried to focus, especially on the access route this year. And I I think that that helped with that. I don't think I I know, I really do. I I believe it helped with that. So um,
0: yeah. Okay. Definitely helped. Uh, And so it sounds to me like it's, it's less is more uh, and access routes have yep. really uh, been the, uh, a major change for you in, in seeing. Yeah. Now, when you would started doing these things, did you ch- make the, this overall change at one time or was it throughout the course of a handful of years?
1: Throughout the course of a handful of years, slowly, you know, More. in some of these. And, and you know, and, and kind of the third thing i you know like to talk about that's been the big change-up is where it all started. Um, I bought me a saddle. So yeah. that was probably... Where it got the saddle, um, you know, run a heathered, uh, Fant- I think it's a phantom. Yep. Is that which one it is? Yep. Okay. Um, and, yeah, I just saved up some money a few years ago, and that's it's what I went with that. And, you know, uh, it was, like, the first step in, hey, maybe sit in the tree stand that I've sat in for the past six years, you know, and I've not killed a deer out of, yep. maybe it's time to change things up a little. Yep. Um, and so getting into the more mobile setup, uh, for, you know, the benefit primarily of Kansas, but then now it's funny cause I've hunted out a tree stand one time this year, every other time I've been a saddle, even when I hunted in Ohio, mm-hmm. um, with the exception of my kids were in a ground blind, but when I'm by myself, um, just because you can be so versatile with it, uh, you know, and it's, it's been, a, it has been a true game changer. So that's kind of the – that's where it started. And yeah. then I thought, hey, maybe let's – I mean, the, I'll be honest, the access routes is something just like in the past couple of years I've heard you guys talk about and other guys too um, that I thought, like this year I want to really focus on access routes. Yes. And when I – and and so, like, there's been little things sprinkled in, you know, the less is more. That one probably was around the same – probably a little before I got the saddle, but around that time. Yeah. Um.
0: Do you think that so the saddle by – was cuz sometimes in life people need a chop chop off an arm moment to make true change right yes. and, and and so they feel like some people can't just go to the gym they have yeah. to set their alarm clock at 4am and they have to do it like boom i got to do it and then that's how they see their change do you feel yeah. that you getting a saddle was forced like you said I'm going to buy this saddle, and it's going to force me to be mobile.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah, that is 100 percent right, man. And it was almost like that was um, when I bought the saddle. I knew. I mean, he's go about the gym and stuff. I'm a big CrossFitter. Like, mm-hmm. love working out and stuff. I love the challenge and push myself. And I knew that if I bought the saddle, I was. It was almost like I was putting an expectation for myself. Does that make sense? Yep. Uh, okay yep. and so i knew you know i go to kansas i bought it a month before going to kansas four years ago or whatever mm-hmm. it was and i told myself then like hey this is this is gonna challenge you you're gonna you're gonna work harder you're gonna go back in these spots deeper you know um you're gonna play the wind better be smarter about that and so it was almost like yeah like and, and my thing was too i'm i'm tight with money, I like I like to budget right. Mm-hmm. And when I bought that, you know, my thing was, you know, I'm not drop, I bought like the kit, right? So after you get sticks and everything, what is it like four or five hundred dollars? You yeah. know? I'm not I'm not gonna drop that money and just be another piece of equipment. I mean this thing is how I hunt. It's, I, I it's mean, almost like a life
0: it's like a lifestyle change. Yes, yes,
1: yeah. yes. Um and so in the hunting, you know, in, in my yeah, whitetail, you know, hunting um that has been I mean that's been a switch that was almost I got it and kind of made the commitment yeah. and um yeah so
0: so that was kind of the that was the tip of the spear so to speak yes did, did now of those three things you said you got a saddle uh okay. access routes less is more is there one of those in your opinion that is weighted more than the others Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Let me. I, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll go a little deeper. Okay. I feel because that's an easy answer for people with access to a lot of ground, right? Yeah. There's people okay. out there who have 40 acres or 20 acres, and that's it, right? They okay. and 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 so they already know less is more because they yep. know that they can't hunt that 10, 20 okay. acres every day. So, yep. so what? what strategy would you say would help the most people given that not everybody has 300, 400 acres to hunt?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, I mean, they all have their pro. I, I, yeah. I, I view them all as pros obviously. Right. But, um, man, I, I do you need a saddle? Okay. You don't need to, you know, mm-hmm. no. Okay. Um, for me i felt like it was something that again it was the game changer whatever i almost feel like then if we're gonna go with that then i think that probably access routes because mm-hmm. if you're gonna walk across the field the same way every day and like i saw when i literally sat in those four or five buck beds those deer i busted out while i was going looking for my deer this year and i looked out <clears throat> and i could see you know I could see that entire field where I'd be walking in, you know, how we normally would years yep. gone by. Um, so yeah, I mean, so maybe I would say access routes then like, do you need a saddle? No, you can go buy, you know, from Walmart, go buy an $80, you know, uh, ladder stand or whatever. Um, you know, may have to move it around and, you know, figure out, you know, winds and things like that. But, um, you know, yeah. So, I mean, I guess I would say access routes, okay. then, you know, answer that. So. Yeah.
0: It's so hard for me to- Like I've never really hunt, I've, I've hunted small properties before, but I've always in the proximity have had other properties to go to, you know what I mean? And and so, um, but I keep coming back to access routes and, and, and terrain and how you kind of mix both of those together, because that for me is what I've seen the most benefit from when, when I've changed, obviously being mobile is important. But you can be as mobile as you want, and has shitty uh, access routes, and yeah, you're, I mean, you're 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 already beat.
1: Yeah, and I also feel like like also, um, yeah. I mean, if you're being smart, if you'd say like, hey, out of these three things, I'd say access routes are the most important. You're already considering. You're not going to go in on a place you're supposed to have a north wind. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And hunt a you know a south wind where it's blowing at their bedding for that evening hunt, or or, or vice versa, whatever. So, yeah, I would say I guess access routes then. Yeah.
0: Let's talk a little bit about you as a hunter. Is there anything that you are struggling with right now, from a strategy standpoint, that you're 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 in the you haven't got it figured out yet, but you're in the process of trying to figure it out?
1: Okay. Um, yeah. Um, so, Ohio deer, man, they're tough to kill, dude. Ohio. Let me rephrase that. Not Ohio deer. Ohio mature bucks, four here, you know, four years, four and a half years old plus, are tough to kill, and I think it's because of the pressure around me. And so, not necessarily where I hunt, it's just the you know the guys around me that hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, you know, I I, I I I mean that's something that I'm trying to work through. And you know, it's it's been. Again, I would say a learning curve, and it seems like every year it gets a little better um, as far as getting, cl- you know, getting closer to tagging. I mean, I've not killed a, you know, 140-inch-plus whitetail in Ohio, um, you know, and so there, there's been some struggles with that. I mean, that would be – So
0: you're you know, saying pressure, pressure on surrounding farms or yeah. even on the farm, the other farms that you have access to, that's something you're struggling with?
1: Yeah, I mean, just guys, you know, around me, and uh, you know, kind of, unfortunately, when it, you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of guys that hunt around me, mm-hmm. and um, and I think that most guys in Ohio, maybe Iowa, it's probably similar, um, just due to the population, there's gonna be a lot more hunters, mm-hmm. which, you know, I mean, I'm all for people hunting, so I don't want to act like that, but, yep. um, yeah, I mean, it, it just seems like that's you know that's been a struggle, you know. Trying to find a place even that doesn't have people, not just on the property, but like surrounding it, that, you know, there's not four or five different guys. And, you know, they're pushing the woods, you know, two times every day, gun season. Yep. Um, Which I don't really, I mean, I'll be, I don't really gun hunt in Ohio that much. Um, Usually just stick to bow hunting primarily. So, yeah.
0: This is a great point because some guys will say, Let's say I get there's a guy listening to this podcast today, and he goes, dude, I I just gotta change things. I got I have to change the way that I hunt in order to be more successful. Great. I agree with that. But what that does is it because all that's kind of a house of cards. If you say I'm gonna change something, a whole bunch of other things will fall down because, and, and here's what I'm getting at is if you change, if you say to yourself, I need to be more mobile, I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to focus on access routes because I want to shoot a bigger deer. Number one, do you have big, bigger deer in your area? Is, is your environment going to allow you to be more successful? Because you can be as mobile as you want as a bow hunter, and I'm just going to use Michigan for example. Everybody talks about Michigan and Pennsylvania having so many hunters and poor quality of deer, right? This, These are the top, hot topics of conversation amongst residents in those states. If you change, is it going to make, even make a difference? So there's going to be a, a conversation that I feel the hunters have to have with themselves was... I can change as much as I want. I can be mobile on this 40 acres as much as I want. I can have the right access routes. But if all of my neighbors surrounding me are shooting two-year-old deer every single year and my goal is a four-year-old, mm, yeah. yeah, you're going to have to do a lot of extra work, including gaining access to more ground in order yeah. to accomplish that goal. Yes.
1: Yeah. And, and that's actually part of the reason why this year, I mean – I I had the goal of getting one more place to deer hunt from last year because it, again, just because of some of the stuff we're talking about, not to give any stories or whatever, but, um, created a, you know, a little bit of an issue. And so, you know, that forced me to get another place. I I think that, you know, this, this new place, 45 minutes South of me, um, you know, the guy, he allows again, his, his buddies from high school to gun hunt on, but bow hunting, you know primarily for me and, mm-hmm. and, you know, doesn't looks like it's a good area without a lot of pressure. And that was kind of my goal. I want to find somewhere that doesn't have a ton of pressure. And and, you know, it's there's two bucks that I've had in there in the past month. Um, you know, the one I mentioned about has got a busted off half rack. Um, you know, so I probably won't I don't know, probably won't shoot him if he came in. But there's another one in there, you know, and they're they're in the area. Yeah. You know, they've now in the past couple weeks they've been all nighttime pictures and so trying to move around and um, you know, figure out, you know, maybe different trails he's taking and stuff. And so Yeah,
0: gotcha. But. All right, so let, let's let talk about a specific example, right? Okay. This year you were successful in Kansas, right, on a really, really good buck. Talk to us a little bit about all the things that you've learned and how you applied them to this specific hunt that allowed you to find success.
1: Yeah, okay. So um, on this specific farm. It is private property. Um, I had put a camera up there again in summer, had it run all summer, had a few shooter bucks in there. Um, you know, I'd say three of them were four years older, older, um, you know, good solid deer. Um, one of them, I, I must have probably got shot or got sick and I don't know, died. So I hadn't seen him coming into November. Um, And so, uh, you know, I had public, I had other, another private property place out there. Um, and I did hunt those other places. Um, but, uh, for this place specifically, uh, it's just a really, really fine, thin creek bottom going through it. That's, you know, on, on a a fairly large farm, like 200 some acres. Um, but you know, it's mainly ag. And so, um, yeah. So, I mean, uh, on the, uh, north end of the property, there was, you know, good bedding I knew in there. Um, some of that bedding even like went onto the neighbor stuff. Um, and so, there, the biggest problem was going back to, man, we're talking a lot about access routes today, mm-hmm. but going back to access routes, that was my kind of my goal this year was the problem is it's so much property, so much open, you know, uh, on the one side of the creek was corn, the other side was beans. Um, it was all cut. Yeah. So, you know, you're walking across this field and I'm like, man, I I just, that's, that's going to mess me up. But these deer, you know, are bedding where I think they are, they're going to see me. Um, and so, yeah, so with this year, I just decided, Hey, I want to focus in on, you know, access routes being the really big key thing, you know, as I park my truck and I walk, um, you know, I don't want to see, I don't want them to see my truck or, you know, I don't want to see them walk, you know, I don't want them to see me walking across the field. And so, um, yeah, I mean, so that was kind of the big, you know, the big thing. Um, I hunted there, I think it was this, the, the third time I hunted that stand. Uh, so it was November 20th is when I shot that deer. Um, you know, I was in my saddle. Um, but yeah, accessed it, uh, the wind, you know, that day was blowing out of like the Northeast and, um, Accessed it from you know south, uh, parked my truck to where you know if a deer was in his bed, which he he was obviously in that bed, um, he wouldn't be able to see my truck, wouldn't see when me walking in. The wind was right, and um, yeah, I nestled up against that you know essentially up against that bedding, and just was essentially hunting that creek bottom as you know in hopes that they would come to the field. Um, now what's <laughs> what's crazy about this uh, just part of this whole story is. Um, the, the neighbor had like this massive, uh, there was, had a lot of corn out, just mm-hmm. put it that way. And so I'd be watching, you know, I watched the one deer, the very first night I hunted, um, you know, there was a deer, you know, like 30 minutes, a shooter buck that was just mowing down corn on this guy's. And he wasn't obviously, you know, in that stand or whatever. Um, but, uh, just mowing down on corn, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm just watching him for 30 minutes, like dude. This deer's never going to come over. And so, like, I just felt like, man, with even with that guy dumping, you know, 20 bags of corn out or whatever he did, um, how's the buck going to come over here? I mean, you know. Did you try
0: calling that deer?
1: Yeah, I did. Um, And actually, so the first night, that deer, I grunted at him. um, Didn't have my rattling antlers, of course. And so he heard the grunt. And there was two smaller bucks out in the field. And he's probably... Five hundred yards away or so, he leaves the corn pile. After he hears the grunt, he backs down. And this deer, hundred forty inches or so. I mean, for me, a shooter deer, mm-hmm. no doubt. He backs down this first little buck about three hundred yards away. Then he's about hundred fifty yards away, he backs down this other buck. He's coming right at me across this field, yeah. And um, he gets to like eighty yards, ninety yards, and um, I don't know if he, you know, he's like he was looking down the creek bottom where I was hunting that. He couldn't see anything. And so it's like he did a semicircle around me, like a, you know, half moon or whatever. Mm-hmm. Kept looking, you know, and I was, I called to him a couple more times and, um, you know, he
0: no no go. went
1: back the other way, yeah. you know. Um, so he obviously didn't see a decoy or, you know, whatever it might be. But that, so that, so that was before I killed a deer, that was like the first time I hunted the stand though. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, I knew that guy was in there. I saw him actually the second time again that I, I hunted there he was just out you know out the field running chasing does um called him nothing he didn't come in or anything but um the third time is when i shot my deer so
0: yeah um yeah yeah so. so with that said then um did you so you you had never seen this buck though before that you started hunting that property
1: yeah yeah so um i had other deer on the property that i were definitely shooters i just had never seen this specific deer which um you know he again was a was a great deer so i never saw him um and actually the night the third night that i hunted there um i did end up uh and use a decoy which just want to throw this out there has burnt me more times than it's helped me yeah um i don't know dan if you speak into that or not but um it's hurt me a couple times in other deer but I think it helped me a lot on this one specifically
0: yeah, yeah. so I'll, I'll say this I've I've been on some hunts back in the day when I was filming uh, for other people that deer or that decoys would work man uh, there's been a couple yeah. times there's also okay. been times where the buck comes into the field looks at the decoy loops like comes in all sidesteppy gets catches a whiff of it or something or 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 at some point realize this is not a deer and takes off and and then we've never then we don't even see him again for the rest of the year and then my experience with it is you know you got to haul this thing in you gotta you know it's basically you're you're taking you're
1: sweating you're sweating
0: you're you're setting yeah you're setting it up you have to do it at the right wind angle you got to do it all these all these right things and and then like maybe one time the wind blew it over and there was some does there and yeah. they got all freaked out. And so that was like one of the last times that I yeah. ever I had ever used a decoy. But I, I wish I had a decoy this year uh, I... on one of my hunts to where the, I can't, I don't know if you remember me on the, telling this story on Instagram, but uh, the first night that is, the, my number one target buck came in, yep. he got I... downwind to me right yep. and so then he ended up getting downwind of me if i had a decoy out in front of me i don't think he would have got downwind to me i feel mm-hmm. like he would have stayed on that yep. angle so yeah.
1: okay yeah. well okay so you're i'm i'll just go through the story because yep. you're hitting on two things it's funny it just happened with the decoy getting knocked over um so i ended up shooting my this this buck at like three 345 in the afternoon on the 20th. Yep. And so the, so I, yeah, I, I had carried the decoy down there from the time before. So it was, I left the base of the tree essentially covered it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get in there at like one o'clock, put it out. And right after I'm up there, uh, get saddle set in, there's like eight or nine does, a couple hundred yards out, you know, on the other part of the side of the Creek, like back to the be uh, to like the east, mm-hmm. southeast and they're coming, and they get to ten yards from the decoy, and they start as blowing like crazy, right? So my and my scent was good where I was at, but I mean they had to smell my scent on the actual decoy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so that was at probably two two fifteen or so. Um, decoy fell over like three or four times on that hunt, by the way, and so I got on my saddle every time, and uh, you know set it back up. Uh, it was super windy that day, um, but the it was interesting. Is about um, I got a video of it too. At three eighteen, I had like a hundred and twenty five inch eight point that saw the decoy, came across the field, uh, came right in, didn't ever win the decoy. Knew something was up, um, and I'm gonna be honest, with you, dude, I I I picked my. I may have killed several deer in that ain't that like 125 hundred and you know 28 range or whatever and uh you know i picked up my bow and thought about shooting him which i'm really really glad that i didn't um but i I mean i grabbed my bow knocked up you know and everything um anyway so uh after he came in though at like 318 my decoy so i don't 320 or something he leaves it falls over and so I'm kind of like, I'm almost at the point that I'm like, hey, I'm just going to, it's too windy. Mm-hmm. But something told me, put it back up, right? So I, I got down, set it back up, got in the saddle, and five minutes after that, I caught some movement kind of behind me back to like the west, northwest. And there was two does there, and then that's when I saw, you know, I mm-hmm. saw my buck. Um, again, very glad that I set it back up because he's about 100 yards away. And, and I don't know, they, they say bucks don't leave a hot though. I you know, so I don't know if they were close to, you know, coming to heat or not, but um, he saw that decoy and, you know, he was, at 100 yards or so, um, saw it through the creek bottom, out the field, came in, crossed a, you know, it was a dried up creek bed, but crossed creek bed um, as he was coming in, kind of knew the trail he was going to take, and so arranged some stuff, um, yeah, came in twenty at twenty one yards and uh, you know had a big cottonwood tree kinda as he's coming in, drew back as, you know, he's coming in and uh yeah, I mean I just remember seeing that deer with those does and I knew instantly I was like, okay, this is definitely a shooter. Don't look at his rack anymore. Yep. Like I'm done. And and not I appreciate your honesty, dude, about how you've talked about you were so amped up for this one deer, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That was going through my mind. Cause I'm going, if I get amped up for this, I'm going to whiff or I'm going to put a bad <laughs> shot on. So, <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. We're throw it out there. So, but yeah, so he came in and, um, you know, uh, he was windows ball the Northeast and he was just, I drew back and he was just about to get to where my scent cone would have hit him. It's when I shot and, the only thing I did, I was not like I wasn't nervous. I felt really calm and collected. I told myself I drew back, like, "Hey, just breathe, squeeze the trigger, don't look at the rack." Those are the three things I kept saying to myself, and my arrow hit exactly where I, I left it, you know right where I was right where I was aiming. Mm-hmm. The problem is I was I was about I would say about four or five inches back. End up being one lung liver that I hit, and so right when I shot, I knew it was a lethal kill. But it was a touch further back than what I wanted, and also on top of that, he's angled to me a touch. Yeah. Um, he ran out to like 30 yards, and uh, you know I'm always on the impression he got another you know opportunity to take him, you know go for it. So knocked another arrow, sent one, and um, you know I didn't know at the time it was a perfect double lung hit. My uh, my light and knock actually didn't work um, for some reason, and I've never had an issue with that before. Um, and it was kind of, it was raining that day and windy, and so he was at a spot, you know, it was just kind of, it was in the creek bed, it kind of darker, so I couldn't tell where the arrow hit necessarily. I thought maybe it hit even further back, like gut, and um, so anyway, then he ran off 60 yards to the north, and, you know, stood there in some thick stuff for a while, um, just, you know, stood there for probably a minute, so he's been shot twice. Pull my binoculars up; they're all foggy because it's you know humid out. So I'm wiping them off, pull them back up, and uh, he's not there. And I'm like, "What the heck?" Well, long story short, he fell over and died. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's all. That's all the good stuff. The bad stuff was I got down, could only find liver blood, couldn't find my second arrow. Um, so what's the old adage? When in doubt, back out. Right. Yep. And so. Uh, backed out, called, the uh, called the dog, you know, got him, got him in landowner, let him know they were fine with it and stuff. And, um, you know, just gave him time, right. Came back to the, was going to go back that night, but the dog guy said, you know, Hey, based off of the blood, you know, that you sent me and what you're telling me, we know we have one good arrow in him. He's going to die. Like you hit it, you know, it's, he's going to die. It's just a matter of, we bump him tonight. You know i've I mean, i've lost deer like that before like we all have yep. he's gonna go 800 yards so anyway so he um he and you know, we meet the next early next morning and we go back to where uh where i shot him at and the problem is it had poured rain all night like i'm talking like torrential downpour and so there's barely any blood left um but I knew the kind of the route that he was taking, and so we get up there, and he had kicked that second arrow out. And dude, that arrow, when I found that arrow, it was it was lung butter, dude. It was coat like that that lung blood had stayed on the arrow. Um, you know, it had it had it washed away, yep. but it was sticking like straight in the ground in that creek bottom. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so found that he went 60 yards and died. I mean, wow. and so. Now, now, I'm going to tell you the, the the ugly part of the story, right? So, in Kansas, we have this horrible problem with coyotes out there. Oh, I believe And it. so, dude, I, I was sick to my stomach, man. Like, we, f- I found the deer, like, really quick, you know, the next morning, um, you know, uh, found even, you know, you know, found where the arrow went in. And, you know, both arrows went in and everything. Um, but, uh, yeah, he was just, he had gotten tore up by the coyotes that night. And so um you know unfortunate and that that you know yeah. i don't know that's it sucks i mean it, yeah. it does there's so. and
0: there's no real i mean you can hey if you can't find them that night don't shoot them blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah there's no there's no right way to do it yeah i mean yeah. even even people who have the best accuracy are off sometimes right yeah and yeah. uh yeah i, I don't know now, i think it's normal and I,
1: and i think like dan honest if i would have seen that that second arrow i mean it came in like it right where the last rib is and it Mm -hmm. came out in front of his back shoulder i mean went right through both lungs it was a quartering away shot yeah if i would have seen where that arrow hit i would have come back two hours later like i would not have i would not have done that but um yeah yeah so anyways but um well
0: congratulations man that's one hell of a deer uh yeah. stud kansas deer uh i bet you you get pretty jacked up every time you start thinking about oh man it's almost time to go hunt kansas dude yes
1: yes yeah. i mean it's something again look forward to you know every year um yeah i mean it's it's a blast it's a great state love it yeah. so yeah um yeah
0: Perfect. Well, Hey man, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and uh, share this story with, uh, with us today. Share your life with us. Really appreciate uh, your time. Thank you very much. And uh, man, if you get out the rest of the season, good luck. Yeah,
1: man, I appreciate it. Thanks Dan.
0: And there we have it. Ladies and gentlemen, another episode in the books, huge shout out to AJ, huge shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day to, Listen and download and communicate with me, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, If I could get you guys one more time to go to fullsneakgear.com, check it out. Uh, Go pick up a a t-shirt or two, and uh, we will... Uh, We'll keep the ball rolling with that business. And then huge shout out to Tethered, Wasp, Vortex, Code Blue, Sense, Woodman's Pal, and Huntworth. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. Let them know if you decide to purchase one of their products that you heard it from the uh, Nine Finger Chronicles website or uh, podcast. Excuse me. I would really appreciate that. And, And it's that time of year where we should be surrounding ourselves with people that we love, uh, reconnecting maybe relationships that uh, are on the rocks or have never been good. because you only get one you only get one chance at this life, right? And then it's done. And so if we could take time to tell people that we love them, go share positive energy with people reconnect with people that maybe you've had a falling out with it takes a simple phone call dude and you just call them up and you say hey man be the bigger person i'm sorry if i hurt your feelings or whatever it is because grudges man are just poison for the soul and it's not it's not worth it so good vibes in good vibes out merry christmas to each and every one of you and uh man i'll talk to you next time Thank you.